Sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Welcome everyone, baby. Is, I took a half and she took the whole thing. My name is Sam. I'm Dylan. And we're now all we're now out on all platforms, so you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, whatever you listen to um, podcasts on at Spark the Debate. Uh, this is our second episode, and we're gonna get right into our first topic, which is the Celtics. So the Celtics season just ended, and they fell short of the goal. Uh, what do you think, though? Why did they lose to the Heat? What can they learn from this playoff run? Well, first off, it was obviously a tough loss for the Celtics. I picked them to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals before the playoffs, but once we got to this point, I saw it was the Heat. The loss stings because I felt they were better. It was really a failure and a disappointment, to say the least. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I said it when this uh, series started. I felt the Heat were an inferior opponent. I mean, they're they're a quality team. They have good role players, but I thought that we were definitely the better team and should not have lost to them. Yeah, but now getting into some takeaways, I thought that the Heat wanted it more. The Heat were the more aggressive team, and that's important in the playoffs. Their stars weren't afraid of the moment, and even when they were down, you just felt that the Heat were the more confident team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my biggest takeaway was our stars or our max contract players were the ones that fell short. We saw Kemba Walker in the series. He averages 19.7 points, 4.7 assists, which is decent. It's decent, but it's not what we're paying him for. He wasn't hitting the big shots or being the man when we needed to either, so he didn't make up for it in that aspect, and he just wasn't playing like the level that – I think we know he's capable of. Yeah, and that leads right into one of my takeaways was that the Celtics don't have that dog mentality yet. They blew way too many games because they lack that clutch quality, and if you're going to win championships, you have to be able to close. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Also, Hayward, he came back. Obviously, he was hurt, so we cut him some slack. But, I mean, he came back, and he was playing 30 minutes per game in the series, and he was only averaging 10.5 points, 2.8 assists. Again, this is another max contract player that just wasn't getting it done. We know what Hayward's capable of. Um, if his shot wasn't falling because he wasn't in rhythm, like I think he's a good playmaker. He should have been making more plays. 2.8 assists is not good enough in 30 minutes per game. I get your point, but obviously a Gary, Gary Washburn piece came out that Hayward was playing on at like 50%, so you got to cut him some slack there. But I think that's on Stevens for playing him too many minutes, which leads into one of my takeaways that Stevens got outcoached. Eric Spolster made every adjustment. His zone worked, and he just he knew what buttons to press at the right time. Yeah, I totally agree. If Hayward was not hurt, why is he playing 30 minutes per game? Like, we have Smart, we have Wanamaker that are playing decent in the series. There's no point of playing a crippled Hayward. Like, obviously, that didn't help us. And also, my final takeaway was the bench depth. I think the Heat's bench was a major factor in the series because they were able to get production from a lot of people. They had Tyler Hero go off one game, Iguodala, Kelly Olynyk. I just, their bench was better than ours, and it showed. Yeah, for sure. For this team to be successful, it needs to start with our highest paid players being our best players. Um, Obviously, Tatum is our best player, and he's going to sign a Supermax, but we need guys like Kemba and Hayward to play well, play consistent, and stay healthy most of all. Mm -hmm. So, Sam, uh, what do you think the Celtics can learn from this series? I think the biggest thing that they can learn is that they need more. They're simply not good enough. And Danny Ainge was quoted saying this. He said, we're not good enough. So I feel like now he needs to go out and improve this roster before the start of next season. Um, So I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think that's the biggest thing they learned is that they're simply not good enough with who they have on the roster. And it leads to the larger point of when you are a contender, you make moves at the deadline. Danny showed you that he didn't believe in this team 
because he didn't make the moves. And also, the Celtics are being like all these classic teams. They're just continuing to gain experience with their young core. They're not even in their primes yet. They're just maturing. They're learning. They're going through the normal growing pains. LeBron didn't win right away. Jordan didn't win right away. It takes time. Yeah, no, it definitely takes time. But we also learned that at the age of 21, Tatum pretty much is a superstar. We saw him lead the team in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks against the Heat. However, he's young. He has a lot of room for improvement as well. He didn't shoot particularly well. He shot 41% from the field, 30% from three in the Heat series. And he also didn't show that killer instinct and help close us out some games, which we mentioned. So he definitely showed that he's a superstar, but he's a growing superstar. He has a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, I agree. It's all about learning from this and being hungry next year, using this as motivation in the offseason. Yeah, no doubt about that. So um, did they exceed your expectations, or what are your thoughts about that? Uh, in terms of winning, they they just they met my expectations because I expected them to be in the conference finals from the start of the season, so it wasn't really a surprise. But they exceeded my expectations in their chemistry. Like starting the season, like I think they were like ten and one to start the year. Like they just came out with such great chemistry, and it was surprising because I thought this was going to be the classic first year. It takes time to build that chemistry up. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought they showed great chemistry, great camaraderie throughout the season, even. Um, on games that they weren't playing. They were hanging out in the bubble. We saw a bunch of videos of them teaching Taco how to swim and just stuff like that. It just seemed like they really enjoyed each other, which we just did not get that vibe from them last year with Kyrie and all that business. So it definitely was good to see the um, chemistry improve this year. So we're going to a season interview. So what were your likes? Let's start with likes. What were your likes with the Celtics this year? I mean, first of all, I just like the leaps we've seen from Tatum and Brown. Brown turned into a solid, reliable score to pair with his already great defense. Tatum has asserted himself as a solid defender to go along with his scoring. Um, I'm also very high on Marcus. We know how special he is on the defensive end, obviously all defensive first team. But now he has also become a a reliable three-point shooter. And we saw this in the playoffs. He had some huge games. So my first like is just the leaps we've seen our players get with improvement. Yeah, I agree on Smart. I really have nothing else to add with that. But I think Brown, he averaged 26-2 and two this year. He was a fringe all-star, which I was not expecting. And he really made the leap shooting the ball. He's become a nice catch-and-shoot shooter. And if he's going to play with Tatum, that's a nice quality to have is being able to catch and shoot. So I, And I also loved how aggressive he was. We've been waiting for him to become more aggressive over the course of his career, just taking it to the basket. Because I really think he's reaching a point where he can just attack the basket at will, and I don't see who's going to stop him. Yeah, definitely. Brown took a huge leap on the offensive end, both attacking the basket and shooting the ball. And same with Tatum. Average 23 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists this year. He upped his scoring by 8 points. Like These are the leaps we expect from a top 3 draft pick. He became a top 15 player and made the All-NBA third team, which is incredible in just your third year. Yeah, definitely. But what did you? what were some dislikes you had on the season? Um, some dislikes I had were the lack of bench production. I just felt that that was really the only thing holding them back this year. They were 29th in the league in bench points all year. Yeah, we, we spoke about, about that in our lives. We were worried about the bench production all year. I mean, they were decent in the playoffs. Like, we saw them put up some numbers. But, yeah, again, my biggest dis- dislike was the injuries, though, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Like, the Celtics were a great team, but they have to stay healthy if they're going to win a championship ever. It just seems like every year we have this good team that we think they're a contender, and then when it comes down to it, we have these injuries that hold us back. 
But I think before we move on, we really need to dive into Tatum more because Tatum was super impressive this year. He's already ahead of other stars at his age. You just look at a guy like Paul George. In Paul George's age 21 season, he averaged 12, 6, and 2. Tatum this year averaged 23, 7, and 3. He's already making the leaps that these other stars haven't made. He's way ahead of them. And then you look at pull-up jumpers. He made 41% of 246 unassisted three-pointers. He shot the best percentage on pull-up threes. And you think of guys like Damian Lillard. He shot a better three-point percentage on pull-up threes. Yeah, no doubt. He's at that superstar level. We're seeing him make these plays, get these stats where he leads them in. He's a special talent for sure. Even in the postseason, he was truly remarkable. And it really isn't being talked about enough. There's only one player in NBA history, 22 or younger, to log at least 500 playoff minutes while averaging 25, 10, and 5, and that's Jason Tatum. He was super impressive this year, and I feel like none of the media is talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that just happens, though. When the Celtics fell short of their goal, they lost to the Heat, so that, just, that, stuff, that type of stuff just gets brushed under the rug. So the Celtics need to start winning if Tatum's going to start establishing himself yeah. and really getting talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you have any other dislikes on the season? I mean, not really. I was pretty much happy with all of it. Like, I just feel like the chemistry came together well. They made it to the conference finals, really just bench production, because I feel like if they had a, a, a bench like the Heat or the, the Lakers, they would have easily made it to the finals. That was just the thing that was holding them back. Yeah, definitely. And that, again, goes back to Danny Ainge. He's going to have to pull the trigger and put together a better roster. Mm -hmm. You know, like he has to make the moves. Uh, and I mentioned it before, I dislike our ma max contract players under underperforming. It's just unacceptable. Like they, If they can't perform, get rid of them and use the money on other people at the end of the day. Yeah, holding on to assets is nice until you reach a point where they're not doing anything for you. Like, Is really holding on to your first-round pick for Romeo Langford, was it worth it? Or would you rather have gotten a player that can help you contribute this year? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we definitely we saw Danny hesitant there this year, but next year he needs to make the moves. We don't need guys like Ojale, Grant Williams, whatever. We don't need to hold on to him. Because you're only going to have this core so long. You have to keep your stars healthy. I know everyone thinks Tatum is going to be here forever as a Celtic, but the way today's NBA is, you can't think that anymore. Tatum could become unhappy sooner rather than later if you don't win. So you have to make your stars happy and make moves. Yeah, that's a great point. And along those lines, speaking of the core, how do you feel that the big four played together this year? I mean, I think the big four was solid. I just wish they could have played together more. I felt like there was very few games where they actually got to play together. But I think when they did, you saw how versatile they all are. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought they played well together when they were on the court at the same time. It gives them a lot of weapons, a lot of options. But they just need to st stay healthy and get more time on the court together. So um, we mentioned the leaps from Tatum and Brown a little bit, but what do you think they can improve on going forward? Uh, I think Tatum did this in the bubble. He improved his passing, but I'd like to see it more. I think if he can raise his assist total to five to six a game, he can really be in that MVP conversation. And then just continue to improve his shooting because if he can continue to become an elite three-point shooter, he's really going to become unguardable. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. He needs to improve his three-point shooting. He look, I mean, I thought he, was, he did well in the regular season, but in the playoffs I thought he'd take a step back from three. Um, and I also I just want to see Tatum get that killer instinct. You know, mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant's his favorite player. He needs to get a little of that Mamba mentality in him and start just taking over and closing out games for us. And also just be better mentally. His 
his mentality this year was very bad with the referees. He'd let it get in his head, and it would affect him in games. Like, he just has to be stronger. Like, you're going to get the calls eventually. Just play the game and don't worry about stuff like that. Yeah, totally. When we watched a bunch of the games together, we were constantly pointing out times where Tatum was complaining and whining. And, yeah, he needs he's going to get the calls when he's older. Right now, he just needs to focus on his game and not worry so much about the refs. And with Jalen Brown, I just think continue to improve as a shooter. Being a knockdown shooter will really help this team. And then just – be more aggressive. When you're taking it to the basket, Jalen Brown is an, an elite player. He can be an all-star next year if he just puts his head down and takes it to the basket because he's going to get fouled. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. Um, I like to see Brown think of himself as the man. Tatum kind of knows he's the man, but Jalen's the man too. So he needs to get more aggressive shooting the ball and attacking the basket to pair along with his defense. And I, I agree that he could definitely be an all-star next season. Yep. So you've been very critical of Kemba this year. So how would you describe his first year in Boston and just your overall takeaways? I mean, I think Kemba's first year was good. Like the regular season, he was solid. He came in with no attitude or ego. He allowed Jalen and Jason to um, take the next step and flourish while he kind of took the back seat. Um, he was great in the locker room with chemistry, but I just thought in the playoffs, he shied away from the moments. He kept saying he needed to be better, which was good, unlike Kyrie, who when he was struggling in the playoffs said, I need to keep shooting, I need to shoot more. So Kemba like, acknowledged that he needed to be better, but he just couldn't do it. Yeah. So I just needed to see Kemba put a full um, season together and a full playoffs and live in the moment like we saw in his college days, cardiac Kemba. We just need him to play big in the big games. I think your first point is the biggest thing is that he allowed Tatum and Brown to thrive. Kyrie set Tatum and Brown back on their growth. Kemba allowed them to flourish, and that's why the Celtics are now set up in a position to win a championship now because Tatum and Brown have reached that level. That's the biggest thing. The Celtics' future would be ruined right now if Kemba came in and ruined their growth just like Kyrie. So that's the biggest point. But overall with his play – he averaged 23-4, and four, which is a little less than what he's been doing in Charlotte the last couple of years. But you have to take in consideration he's not the number one option anymore. So you look at that, you take that with a grain of salt. But I thought his leadership was great. He came in day one, and you could sense that he was a better fit than Kyrie. Yeah, definitely. And like we said, we fell short this year, but it's also Kemba's first year with the team. Yeah. So the fact that he came in didn't ruin the chemistry. Instead, he enhanced it. He built this reputation, allowed Jalen and Jason to take a next step. And then next year, they can take another step. And then maybe Kemba can get going, get healthy. And next year could very well be our year. And the injuries worry me too, because I still think that the Celtics might have gotten damaged goods. But you just have to hope that he's going to continue to rehab, take care of his body, and everything will go well. But the injuries, are, they really worry me. Yeah, me too. That's definitely something we're going to have to keep our eye on for years to come. Um, but moving on from Kemba, uh, how do you feel about um, Hayward? Yeah, Hayward, I, I want him to opt out but to re-sign with less money because I just think that the production is not matching what he's being paid, and I think he can still get fair money, and he can contribute to this team winning a championship, but I want to add a lower price. So I would prefer he opt out and we re-sign him for less. Yeah, I totally agree. I would love Hayward to opt out and sign for a team-friendlier deal to give them some money to get other pieces, but I also can't blame him for opting in and taking the money. Like, that's yeah. money that's offered to him. Like, he signed that contract that if he opts in, he gets it. So I could see very well see him just taking it because it could be his last yeah. big um, check anyways. So. And it's the same. Like, if he... 
if he wants to leave because he can get money elsewhere and he just doesn't see his fit with this team, then that's fine because I think that the Celtics could then use that money to beef up a bench and then you can say, okay, well, we believe in you, Brown and Tatum. Like, you're, it's your team. Yeah. If a, Along those lines, if a good trade presents itself, would you... Yeah, you make the move. If you can get fair value for Hayward and get out from under that deal and not have to worry about paying him, you make that move. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if the right um, deal presents itself with Hayward, I, I like him. He's been solid. He's a great wing when he's healthy. He can definitely he definitely gives us an added depth, versatility to our offense. But if the right trade presents itself, I think you got to pull the trigger. It's, it's no hard feelings. It's not like Kyrie where he's done bad stuff. It's just... It's just tough luck. You got hurt. Your production's been a little off. It's just that's what happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, how do you feel about Brad Stevens? I know in the last episode you talked about him getting out coached in the playoffs, but taking into consideration the regular season and the playoffs together, he just signed the extension. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about Brad? Yeah, in a moment, I'm going to get into some good stuff with Stevens. But to start, I just feel like every year I feel worse about him. He just gets out coached in the playoffs. His team's fall short of the goal. He continues to get outcoached in playoff series. He just he has to look himself in the mirror and change his philosophy. I, I totally agree. I think Brad is a solid coach. Like There's no doubt about that. He's definitely a smart basketball mind, but we got to look at the fact that they have underformed, underperformed a few times now. If he can't get over the hump in the next few years and make an NBA Finals, we may need to look in another direction. Yeah, but to be be the nice guy here when you compare his last five years with the celtics to the peak celtics with doc rivers from 2008 to 2013 stevens has a better record higher win percentage better net rating there's similar playoff records but he has a better playoff win percentage and better playoff series record so he has done better than doc did in those peak five years with the big three so that he does have that going for him but doc won a championship and brad is yet to Okay, that's definitely good to take into consideration. Yeah, yeah Brad, I mean, I like Brad. I like Brad, but yeah. we just saw him get out coached a few series that I was a little disappointed, but... It's just the thing people have to understand, our listeners have to understand, is now the way sports are, you have a small window. You have a couple years where you guys are at their peak, and that's when you got to win, because if you don't, then you're going to go on for years and years of sucking. So you have a small window, and you got to maximize it. Yeah, definitely. Brad's got a couple more years. Like, he needs to get over the hump and reach the finals. Yeah. So, uh, moving on from the coaching, uh, what are your thoughts on, like, early draft free agency preview? What do you think the Celtics should do with that? Yeah, we're going to get into it more in depth as the offseason goes on. But just to start, the Celtics have four picks this year, with three of them being in the first round, and I don't want them to use a single one. You, you trade them all. We've drafted enough people the last few years that we can just say, okay, let's see if they develop. But it's time to package them all and either move up or trade them for a veteran. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I do not want to see the Celtics draft a single player this year. Last year we got way too many rookies. None of them were really – that helpful but um, grant made an impact but for he's not like gonna help you win a championship he can just be like a solid regular season guy exactly exactly yeah so um i'd like to see them package the picks if they could if they could move up into the top three top five i wouldn't mind them taking packaging them for that but if they can't I say we package it and try to get some role players. Me right now, my feeling is, is I like Wiseman. I think that he can be our future big man. So if you can package up and get a team like Golden State to bite on a bite on an offer, you go up and you get Wiseman. Yeah, that would be awesome if, if they could make that work without giving up Smart or Browner, obviously. But yeah, that would yeah. be great. 
Yeah, so moving on to free agency, who are some players that you're targeting in free agency, Sam? I mean, there's a lot of good free agents this year. If you just look up the free agents this year, there's so many. There's guys like Crowder, Baines, Ibaka, Evan Fournier, Bertans, Gallinari, Joe Harris. Like, I feel like there's a lot of guys out there that are just perfect for what the Celtics need. The Celtics need scorers. They need big men. They need guys that can space the floor. Like, And there's just a lot of solid options that they need to go out there and sign at least a couple of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I I went and picked three. So I right now I'd say I want Bertans because he can give you shooting as a stretch four. Jordan Clarkson because he's just a scorer off the bench at the guard position. And then Aaron Baines because he's been with the team before and he's a big man that is not afraid to go at any big man. Yeah, I would love to see Baines come back. He brings that toughness, and he can also space the floor and hit some threes. But Abaka could do the same thing. If we could snag an Abaka from the Raptors, he can give you that shot blocking inside and the three-point shooting, which I think would fit very well with the Celtics. Abaka would be nice, but I think Baines would be cheaper than Abaka, so you got to go cheap. I just think like guys like Gallinari and Abaka will probably be out of the Celtics' budget. So guys like Jordan Clarkson and Aaron Baines are probably going to fit where they're looking for. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, also, if they could snag, like, a knockdown shooter like Joe Harris or even Bogdan Bogdanovich or Evan Fournier, like, these are just key pieces that would immediately make an impact for the Celtics team. Mm. Yeah. So how can they become a championship-caliber team? We talked about they, they have a lot to improve on. They need to add role players. But the bottom line, what do they need to do to become championship-caliber? First, it starts with a better bench. Danny Ainge has got to be on the phone. This has got to. This is an important offseason for Danny. He. This is his time to build another contender. He did it in 08 with Garnett and Pierce and Allen. This is his time to build another great bench. And also, the, the Stars just need to get the dog mentality. They just need to come back with a killer mentality next year. I expect them to come out wanting it. I think they understand that they came short of the gold this year. I expect them to come out next year with fire under them. Yeah, I pretty much have the same thing. I think they need to improve the roster, get a couple of the guys um, that we mentioned before, those free agents, plus a better center. I mean, Tice was solid. We didn't really talk about this, but I feel like Tice was solid, but I'm not sure he's the starting center on a championship team. Yeah. I think we need a little more. Solid um, backup. Yeah, he'd be, a, oh yeah, definitely be a solid backup. And then we just need to stay healthy improve as a team and like you mentioned we need to find that killer instinct we can't keep blowing these leads you saw it with the lakers they won the championship they didn't blow a fourth quarter lead all season mm -hmm. if we're gonna win a championship that's what we need to start doing yep we're right there we just need to improve a few things yeah so the second topic now we're gonna move into the nba as a whole and talk about the nba finals a little bit so what were your overall thoughts on the finals um the finals were good. I mean, we saw the ratings drop um, again, which was interesting. But I feel like that's been the trend for the NBA. The ratings are just dropping in general. But you um, say the finals were good? I mean, it was six games. I was surprised that he took him to six games, honestly. I thought it was going to be a sweep. Um, but Jimmy <laughs> Butler, he played great. Yeah, I mean, for me, the finals were boring. Like, you just see the two teams, and you're like, if the Lakers don't win, this is pathetic. There was just zero excitement. You knew what the outcome was going to be. The ratings dropped rightfully so because that's how bad the league is now. Even the second greatest player of all time can't draw ratings, so that just shows where the league is at right now. 
I mean, yes, but also due to other reasons. Like, it's not the typical season for the NBA. There's football going on. There's baseball going on. Like, that that just causes them to lose some excitement. Like, it was just a weird time for the NBA Finals. But I also agree that, yeah, it's the Miami Heat versus the Lakers. Like, everyone knew the Lakers were going to win. The Heat are not that fun to watch. But Yeah. So, um, LeBron wins his fourth. We've said it before, we still do not think that he's the GOAT, even with the fourth title. But how do you think it affects the GOAT debate? I think LeBron is undeniably the second greatest player of all time. It's he, Jordan and LeBron have now separated themselves from everywhere else. Whoever you compare now, it's to those two. He, he had a great finals, 29, 11, and 8. That's just amazing for LeBron. Jordan still has a whole Hall of Fame resume over him, though. You've, you've talked about this before. The gap is still very large. And I think if LeBron wins another one, then they're tied. Then it'd be tied. But you just look at it. There's only two people who have ever had 4 4 4. Four MVPs, four championships, and four finals MVP. It's just those two and everybody else. Yeah, along those lines, you mentioned it. Um, the gap between them, um, Jordan still has, LeBron still needs to get two rings, two finals MVPs, one defensive player of the year, one MVP. Four all defensive first teams, nine scoring titles, three steal titles. Like that, like you said, that is a whole Hall of Fame career in itself, right there. And that's what Jordan has over LeBron still yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, so we saw some great performances from Jimmy Butler and Anthony Davis in the finals as well. What were your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I thought Jimmy Butler proved something to me this postseason. I've been a real doubter on Jimmy Butler. I never thought he was really anything special, but he averaged 26, 8, and 9 in the finals. He had two triple-double performances, which only one other player has had more than one triple-double in the finals, and it was LeBron. So, like, very impressive from Jimmy Butler. His Game 3 performance was the stuff of legends. It was like AI against the Lakers in 01. I was really impressed with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy and Jimmy Butler was very impressive. He he definitely showed that he's got what it takes to win. Where he lacks in skill, like he's not a great shooter, he makes up for it in mentality. And honestly, I mentioned that I want Tatum to have the Mamba mentality, but I kind of see it in Jimmy Butler, you know? Yeah. He doesn't complain, he doesn't back down to anyone, and he's the kind of guy that every team wants. Like he just wants a purely win. He said it when he first went down um, to the bubble, he said it's a business trip. Like, he didn't even want his family interrupting him. Like, he was, he's just a guy that you want, and he wants to win. Yeah, I agree. And the same with Davis. We When we talked about, like, our postseason preview, we talked about can Davis be that ro Robin to LeBron's Batman, and he proved it. He averaged 25-10-3, and and he, he, he shot, like, 95% from the free throw line. Like, that just shows that these two are destined to win more together, and Davis is he's going to be an all-time great. Yeah, no, no doubt. Davis is a special talent. I mean, he's arguably top five, top six in the NBA right now. He showed that if you put him on a team like the Lakers alongside of LeBron, he, he definitely has what it takes to win. And I feel like now that he's won with LeBron, I feel like when LeBron leaves, he can be that Batman in the NBA and he can lead a team to a championship because now he knows how to do it. Yeah, LeBron has showed him the way and it, it seems like he's got what it takes. Um, so what are your thoughts on the NBA targeting Christmas Day or December 22nd for the season opener? I'm not a fan. I feel like it's too quick. They're trying to rush everything for teams. I'd like, I liked it when they were talking about late January, early February. I just think you need to give these guys some time. I think if you want a better product, you have to give these teams and these players more time to just gather themselves and get ready. 
I mean, me from a personal fan um, standpoint, I love it. I mean, I want yeah. the NBA back as soon as possible, you know? Yeah. Christmas games are, that's my favorite part of Christmas yeah. is watching the NBA game. So from yeah. a straight fan perspective, I totally love it. But I understand what you're saying. Like, the season kind of just ended, and then in a month or two they're going to start it back up. I see that they need an off season, but yeah. if they're ready to play, I mean, some teams have obviously been off for a while. So if they can work it out, um, I, I would love it. And I look at it from a pandemic standpoint of if a second wave is coming, why do you want to start right when that's hitting? You want to kind of give yourself a chance to say, because they're talking about, do we want to do another bubble or do we want to do regional? Like they, they just, they, they shouldn't rush it. You need to really think this through because you don't want to start in the middle of another wave of a pandemic and then you're screwed and then you have to start a season and then stop it and then start it again. Like they just, they need to take some time and just th figure everything out. Yeah, I agree. I it was I thought it was a little weird that they already came out and said that they want they were targeting January fifteenth and then they came out and said they're targeting December twenty seconds. I feel like they need to sit back and work on the logistics of it, worried about the second wave. Like I don't think the players wanna go into a bubble again and but I don't know if they're gonna be able to do the normal NBA either. So they gotta figure it out logistically before they put it before they say a real date and say that they're gonna start. Yep. So uh, moving on to the third topic of the day, moving away from the NBA, we're going to get into the Patriots a little bit. So um, what were your week six thoughts and takeaways? Yeah, just a terrible performance from the Patriots. You know, Cam Newton was awful. He held onto the ball way too long, and it hurt the offense. He got the right tackle, Jermaine Illuminuar, hurt because he was holding onto the ball for too long. I just think Newton looked unsure of himself out there, and it was concerning. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they all look sloppy out there. The lack of practice definitely showed. Um, they were only able to practice like one or two times in the week leading up to it. They yeah. basically just had walkthroughs, and I thought it really showed. They came out flat, and they looked pretty sloppy all all around. Yeah, Newton had 157 passing yards, two picks. We just we finally saw the inaccurate Cam that I was trying to tell all of you that he was. This is the reality. Cam Newton was in the honeymoon period early on. This is the reality. Cam is just an average quarterback, and if the Patriots are going to be great he has to exceed his normal expectations yeah I agree but and it was also just the simple things that ended up costing him which we don't usually see from Belichick coach teams um, we saw some simple plays um, one off the top of my head was when they had that bad snap that costed them 15 yards and right there is a difference between a touchdown and a field goal you know and the defense also showed that they had some major slip-ups, one play in the third quarter. Um, they had the Broncos third and 21, and they let them get the first down. Those are the type of plays that you just can't let happen. Yeah, that's a great point with the Belichick thing because I, I tweeted that out about Belichick. Like his, Belichick's struggling this year because normally it seems I have that many miscues. Like you look at the Broncos, they are missing their best wide receiver, their number one tight end, and one of their best running backs, and you still – you don't stop them. The defense was solid, but you have to be a little sharper. The Broncos didn't punt until the fourth quarter. And yeah, okay, you held them to six field goals, but it's got to be better than that. You shouldn't be having a team not punt on you until the fourth quarter. Yeah, no doubt about that. And the Patriots did get two interceptions, and they did give them a lot of yards, but still, it's Denver had five more minutes of possession. Your whole thing is you need to dominate the time of possession, and you didn't do that in this game. And also, I thought the Broncos' defense exposed the Patriots' offense. They were really aggressive in the run game, and they were blitzing Cam a lot. When you stop the run on the Patriots and you blitz Cam, their offense doesn't know what to do because they can't throw. So that's now the blueprint. If you just stop the run, what are the Patriots going to do? Yeah, so speaking of that, um, of the offensive struggles, let's get into your three up, three down. 
Yeah, so let's start with the ups. I got number one, Adrian Phillips. I think besides Cam Newton, he's arguably the best free agent signing for the Patriots this offseason. He's making what seems like every play in the running game. He had 11 tackles and two of them for loss. It's just He's been a very good surprise this year. Number two, I got Jonathan Jones. He played the best game of his career. He was making plays everywhere. He had an interception, and he was targeted seven times and only allowed one completion. So a solid game for Jones. And then number three, Juwan Bentley, who I've heavily criticized a lot this year, but I thought he played his best game of the season. He looked explosive, and he was making big plays. He led the team in tackles with 12, and two of them were for losses. It just seems like he's getting better with more reps. And now for my downs, I have Cam Newton, obviously. Two interceptions, held onto the ball too long, and just an overall bad game. And I, I know he almost let a comeback, but they should have never been in that position with the amount of players that the Broncos were losing. You have any thoughts on that? Okay. Uh, number two, Josh McDaniels. Awful play calling from Josh that game. You just you see that Denver is stopping your running game, so why do you continue to do it? Maybe try to pass or just try some other stuff. Like, the trick plays are stupid. It looks like you're a high school team out there. Like, let's get it together here, Josh. Number three, I got Julian Edelman. Another bad game. I've been trying to tell people Julian Edelman is washed. He, since last year, he has led the league in drops. He's not the same player anymore. He only had two catches in this game for eight yards. He can't get open, and he's supposed to be our number one receiver, and he's out there looking like he doesn't know what he's doing. Regarding that, so are you worried about the receiving core? You mentioned Edelman. I mean, I feel like everyone kind of struggled. Nikhil Harry had, had zero receptions. He only had two targets, I think, and Edelman had two receptions for like eight yards. Are you worried about this receiving core? I am. I, it needs to improve. Edelman is dropping everything. Harry's a bust. He can't get open. The Patriots could have had DK Metcalf instead of Nikhil Harry, and we're just looking it out there. Nikhil Harry sucks. He can't get open. He's not aggressive. If you're 6'3", 280, why are you getting bullied by small cornerbacks? This dude is literally garbage, and it's annoying me because you spent a first-round pick on him. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, disconcerting to see. And Edelman, it just looks like he's kind of washed up. He just doesn't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. I think he's he's just getting too old. Yeah, it's just it it's reaching. He's reached the mountaintop. It's done now. Like Brady is still getting better with age. Edelman's getting worse with age. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but so, how do you feel about the defense? I think the defense is slowly improving. I, you're obviously, you know what you're going to get from the cornerbacks and the safeties. They're very good. But guys like Juwan Bentley are improving with more reps, and I feel like younger rookies are starting to come on. It's just it seems like with more reps, this defense is getting better and better. Yeah, along those lines, like I think they showed that they're, they're a solid defense. Like We saw it the first. They held them to a lot of field goals, like which is good. They weren't giving up touchdowns. But still, like they have a lot of room for improvement. Like they could have got a few stops there, yeah. like I mentioned that one time um, with third and twenty-one. Like they just got to pick up um, the small stuff, and then and then the offense needs to get going, and then they can build off it. Yes. So, are you worried about Cam moving forward? I am because I think he's finally come back to reality. He's an average quarterback, and he has to exceed those expectations. And I just. He looked unsure of himself out there, and if he continues to hold on to the ball, he's going to get himself hurt because he took so many hits that he should have avoided in that game, and you just worry, like, geez, this dude's going to get killed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's obvious that he's not MVP Cam, um, but we need him to play a little bit better, hopefully. At least he's stayed healthy so yeah. far, so as long, as long as he's still out there, I think he's still 
um, gives the Patriots a chance to compete. Yeah, it's just about being accurate. He just needs to – there was a couple of plays where he was missing tight ends and running backs out of the flat. If you just give yourself easy throws, you'll get it to – you'll get yourself going, and then it'll be much easier to hit the ball downfield. Yeah, so we did see some positives um, in this game, even though it was kind of a crappy game. We saw the emergence of role players like um, Winovich, uh, Phillips, who else? Yeah, so uh, Phillips has obviously been improving this year. I think he's one of the best free agent signings they had this offseason. He's making every tackle. Then you have guys like Chase Winovich. He's the next great Patriots pass rusher. This year, there are four players, including Winovich, who have a pass rush win rate of 25% or higher. It's him. Khalil Mack, T.J. Watt, and Miles Garrett, who are arguably the best pass rushers in the league. So a lot of great signs for Winovich. And then you have Michael Oweno, the guard. He's the best Patriots draft pick of this year. Since pro football focus started grading rookies, he's the fourth highest graded offensive rookie behind guys like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And he's the highest graded rookie of this year as a guard. Just a great, great draft pick by Belichick in the fourth round. Wow, yeah, that's super impressive. So the Patriots have showed signs in some positions that – um, they could be competitive, but along those lines, do you think the Patriots should be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Should they go out there and try to make some moves to add to this team, or should they kind of pack it in and just get rid of people and focus on next year? I think the next two games are going to decide that because you're playing San Francisco this week and then Buffalo. I think if you win one of those games or both, you buy because then you're either – four and three or you're around there I think you should buy but I think if you lose these next two games you should just sell everything because and get a high draft pick because you're not going to win anything the division would be out of hand most likely like it just depends on these next two games for the Patriots yeah for me personally I mean I'm a Patriots fan that grew up in the Tom Brady era like I never want to see the Patriots be sellers like I think they need to go all in We've shown that this team can be competitive. Like, mm -hmm. let's just try to do the best that we can. Like, as a, as a Patriots organization, like, we're not ones to just pack it in and go for a draft pick. But I think that when you look at the team this year with the amount of cap space they're going to have this offseason, and if you can add a top pick to that, then you're setting yourself up for the future because there's no point to buy. And then if you just lose wild card weekend or in the divisional, it wasn't worth it. So you have to really look at your future of your franchise. Yeah, that's true. Um, along those same lines, we saw uh, Gilmore trade rumors. If, if you get a great offer for Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year, do you make the move? Yeah, and I, I'm not surprised by the rumors because I think it's going to happen whether it's now or in the offseason. I just think that Gilmore is the best player to trade on your team and you will get a lot of value for him. The Patriots aren't going to want to continue to pay him at high value because they have his replacement in J.C. Jackson. Since J.C. Jackson came in the league, he's had better numbers than Gilmore. So the Patriots look at Gilmore as expendable. So I think that if you if you can get a first-round pick for Gilmore, you make that move. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the same thing with Hayward. Like, he's been good. He's been solid. Obviously, Gilmore probably a little more so than Hayward. But it's, it's the same thing. It's a business. If a great move comes along that you can't say no to, you say bye. You say thank you for what you've done, and you move on, and you try yeah. to move uh, make a overall better move for the team because it makes it easier in the fact that like you have his replacement jc jackson has had better numbers than him so if you can pay jc jackson and get rid of gilmore at high money then you make that move because you also have jonathan jones who is in my three up who's playing great too so you, you can lose gilmore and be fine yeah for sure so um overall what's your outlook for the rest of the year do you think they're contenders I personally thought they were never contenders to begin with, so nothing has changed for me. I think they're in a very scary spot right now, and they have to start winning because their schedule doesn't get any easier. So 
for me, they were never contenders unless they trade for someone. So they still, for me, remain a fringe playoff team. Yeah, I totally agree. Going into the season, I was not expecting them to be contenders either. I was just hoping that they'd be competitive and fun to watch. So yeah. the Broncos' loss last week was pretty disappointing disappointing because it kind of showed that they didn't really have it and they yeah. weren't even fun to watch or very competitive yeah. with a low-quality Broncos team. Yeah. So You're really going to see what this team's made of these next couple weeks because huge game this week against San Francisco, going up against Garoppolo, and then huge divisional game against Buffalo that's most likely going to decide the division. So they're in a scary spot right now, and you just got to hope that they can find a way to string some wins together. Yeah, so we'll keep that in mind moving forward. Um, and now we'll move to the last segment, which is the Brady Watch. Uh, he had a good rebound performance last week against the Packers following um, his mistakes against the Bears. So what, what do you think about Brady? I think Brady had a great rebound performance, 17-27 for 166 yards and two touchdowns. He just he looked better in this game. Obviously, he forgot the down in the Bears game, but I just felt that in a big primetime game against a good defense in Green Bay, he really responded well. Yeah, so obviously Brady's had a lot of critics over the years and certainly this year saying that he's old and stuff. But how has Brady been? Like, Has he been sneaky good this year, do you think? I think people are undervaluing Brady this year. I think he's really been sneaky good so far through six. Because through six games, he's completing 64% of his passes. He's thrown for over 1,500 yards, and he has a 14-4 to touchdown to interception ratio. And he has a 97.8 passer rating. Brady's been really good, and... Now he just got Antonio Brown. Their offense is only going to get better. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. So how do you think the addition of Antonio Brown changes things? Me personally, I don't think it makes a difference because I don't think he's going to make it through the season. I still think that they're getting the same Antonio Brown that walked into that cryo chamber and got his foot all icy. I think he's the same guy who tried to fight his wife. Like I don't think they're getting the Antonio Brown of five years ago. So I think that... If if Brown plays to how he can play, they can win the Super Bowl and they shouldn't lose, but I don't think they're getting that Antonio Brown. Okay, so overall, are they the favorite to come out of the NFC? A lot of America is saying that now because they have Antonio Brown, but like I said before, I don't think he's going to make a difference, so I don't think they're the favorite. I think they're top three favorites to come out of the NFC, but yes, if Antonio Brown plays to the level he's capable of, they shouldn't lose this year. They should not lose in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, Antonio Brown is a special talent. If he can get his head right and just play like how he's capable of playing, the Bucks are going to be a scary offense pairing him with the likes of Mike Evans and Gronk and everyone. But I, I would be really hesitant to say that he's going to play at that level and um, be sane the whole year. So yeah. I don't think it's going to work out either. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any closing remarks before we head out? No, I mean, tomorrow, uh, 425, Patriots play the 49ers. Huge game. Get to see Garoppolo again. And, yeah, NBA offseason in full force now. You're going to be hearing all the rumors. Celtics rumors are already starting. So, yeah, it's a good time to be a Boston sports fan. No doubt about that. All right, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Spark the debate out. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. I'm